You're listening to the Concession Stand Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. From movies and tech to WWE and video games, come let your geek flag fly with your hosts, Nick Howe and Andy Nelson. Welcome back to the Concession Stand Podcast. This is episode number 38. I am your host, Nick Howell. Joining me from somewhere on the other side of the planet, I think I might have to dig a hole through the earth to find his ass, <laughs> Mr. Andy Nelson. How are you, sir? I am good. It is really late here. I am on the other side of the world. We are just over two weeks until I get to finally come home and be with my family and get to do this in a much easier weekly schedule. Hey, episode number 38. Uh, my favorite number 38 this week, I'm going to go with 38 Special, the rock band that, of course, sang Hold On Loosely and another couple of songs. Uh, a couple of uh, honorable mentions on this. There was uh, George Lucas's THX 1138. Uh, Could have gone Ooh, there. Didn't. Nice. And on the sports side, I think the best 38 that I can think of, regardless of his crazy politics, would be uh, Kurt Schilling, who, uh, of course, broke the curse and helped the Red Sox win that World Series back in 2004, I think it was. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, I think I will go ahead and give 38 Special, who I'm sure drinks a lot of these, I will definitely give them a Stone Cold Salute! I said give me a hell yeah! Well, Andy, we can't get this show started without paying our respects and our dues to the passing of the great Adam West. Uh, this one was another tough one for me, kind of up there with the, the Carrie Fisher from a couple months back. When I heard that one, I just, you know, my heart sank a little bit. I mean, that was... He was my first Batman. He was the, you know, when I was a kid, uh, before I ever saw the Superman with Christopher Reeve, um, he was a, he made superheroes real because he was a real guy in a real suit. And I thought Batman was real. So to me, he was always my Batman and my first Batman. I'm sure Keaton came along and and Bale and all those people, but uh, Adam West was Batman. And I watched every single episode of that in reruns as a kid. And um, it was a tough one because it was sort of unexpected. You know what I mean? Like it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and uh, then you find out later that he that he um, was dealing with leukemia, and that's a horrible thing. But you know, uh, the thing that came, I guess, that came out of this that was really cool is just how many people just came out of the woodwork and just praised how about how cool this guy was and and what a great person he was and how he just sort of it's kind of against being typecast in the role, but then sort of embraced it and just you know it it kind of helped him out later in his career. Like he did the whole uh, Mayor West thing on on Family Guy, and then um, uh, I, the other cool thing I thought was uh, what happened back where you're at, where they did the um, they shined the bat signal on uh, on a building, uh, the, the police building in L.A., the, the Dragnet building, right? And that actually happened what like a couple nights ago. Yeah, and it was it was an absolute spectacle to see just the sheer amount of people that were down there. Um, I got to go down there and take my picture just to have, cool. and it was thousands and thousands of people uh, right there in front of City Hall in Los Angeles, just. It was, and they everybody's there was Harley Quinns everywhere. There were Jokers everywhere. So there were cool. Batman's everywhere. You would have been you would have been beside yourself. The entire Rogues Gallery was there in spades. Oh man, uh, all over the place. Uh, I think I, I saw several Banes as well with just the harness and the mask. <laughs> it was awesome. Again. He will be uh, greatly missed by myself and of course the legion of of Batman fans who who you know will always remember him as sort of the fun campy Batman. But um, he he was the first and arguably the best, and he will certainly be missed. Um, uh, what about you? What happened with you this week? Let's talk about some happier stuff. Yeah, so I'm I'm getting back into the VO stuff oh, cool. full time again. Uh, I've got a several uh, coaching sessions with Coach Mark, cool. who will will affectionately refer to him as Coach Mark. All right. 
And I uh, got a couple of this. We had one yesterday. It was really awesome. A couple hours, and then brewing another one Friday, and then it's going to be two per week up until the big day of July 10th. Drum roll, and we're going to record the new commercial demo, nice. which is going to be sent out for representation and all kinds of auditions and gobbledygook good stuff like that. Nice. So I will officially be a voiceover artist, I guess, at that point. Ah. Or do you have to wait till you do your first paid gig, maybe? I don't know. So that's exciting. Uh, the, on a on a bit of a downer note, I feel like a heroin addict that's gone into you know uh, what do you call it, just ret- retraction or whatever. But I I'm playing World of Warcraft again. Oh wow, really? There's just nothing on uh, consoles right now that's exciting me. I'm even kind of bored with Overwatch. What? I didn't really feel like going through another season of the exact same stuff oh, all over again. Goodness, what has happened to you? I, I don't know. It's uh, nobody's playing. Everybody wants to keep playing Destiny, and I just have zero interest in playing Destiny right now. Tell Destiny too. And uh, well, of, of course. But I, I just doing Crucible and Iron Banner and stuff. I just I I couldn't be any less interested. Yep. Uh, I tried watching that film. Remember, we talked about that movie we were really excited about, where the directors, our, our modern directors, were all talking about the five directors of the World War II era. Yeah. That I tried that that series. They're the um, five came the back, series that was, was on, called. Is that what it's called? Yeah, the one on Netflix. So I tried watching it, and man, the first episode it really had me, and the second episode it just started getting way into the weeds, and I just I it kind of lost me. Oh, no. I just lo- I lost interest. It was cool when Spielberg or De Palma or any of those guys would come up and and talk about these guys and give, and they would kind of fanboy out a little bit over who these guys were, but when they were just describing like the minutia of the steps that they would go through and kind of the biography of their life, I was just like, yeah, eh, eh, that's it. I just, I couldn't get into it that much, but what I could get into, I will say is the last couple of weeks have been really, really exciting. If you were a geek, yes. uh, I know we don't talk about tech on this show that much anymore, and please stay tuned. For those of you that love the tech stuff, we are working on a show that will uh, bring back its own stuff. Much like we took the wrestling and broke it out, we're breaking out the tech stuff too. So stay tuned for more news on that in the very very near future. Yeah, but we always kind of promise that we talk about sort of the big tech things that kind of affect maybe the way that we consume our video games or movies. And like, and we think with, with the Apple announcements last week at the WWDC, I think there's some things that are certainly worth talking about. I mean, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. So I, I definitely, I, we're not going to do a full compendium breakdown, but I definitely want to hit on the things that are, uh, that are intensive to media focus, I guess I would say, whether it's gaming or, you know, software, you know, consumption of media, things of that nature. So there, there was no new iPhone announced. I think that was the big surprise takeaway. I think we all expected to at least get a tease about the new iPhone 8. So we're probably going to have to wait till September to hear about that yeah. in the fall show that they normally do. Uh, some of the bigger ones that they did announce was the new iMac Pro. Now, this one caught me completely off guard. I did not see this coming. I had heard that they were going to do a big bad boy iMac, but I did not see it coming that they were going to replace the I'm, the Mac Pro with the iMac Pro. Yeah, it's so the crazy. Technology and the hardware has gotten so good at this point that they can cram it into that display size and not need that big cylinder. You remember when that thing came out about three or four years ago? Yeah, it looked like five a, years it looked ago, like a subwoofer. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, right. Uh, funny enough, that's what the new home thing looks like. Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, so, long live the Mac Pro. 
Uh, it has seen its days. Uh, from what I understand, it is completely done. They're supporting the ones that are already out there, but not making any more. Everything is going to shift to the iMac Pro, and I'm completely okay with that. Sure. To be perfectly honest. Uh, I don't know if I'll go out and drop five-plus thousand dollars on one. They're but, saying even tricked out, those things could be like 17000 Oh, yeah, easily, because you can put the multiple graphics cards. I mean, one of those Mac Pros, you can kit them out to be over twenty grand. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, the big thing to take away... Oh, a couple of other little things real quick. Uh, iPad Pro. They had, they, we had the original big 12-inch iPad Pro that came out uh, last year. Then in the fall, they announced a iPad Pro, kind of a mini, but not a mini. It was a 9.7-inch yep. uh, uh, aspect. Well, now they've come out and they said, well, we found the Goldilocks. That one was too big. That one was too small. <laughs> Here's the 10.5 edition just that's right. just right. Because and the, I was like, well, why is why are they doing? And before I could get my, well, why is that the perfect size? Tim Cook answered it and says it's the actually the perfect size for an average set of hands to not have to type with their like hands butted up against each other, all mm-hmm. scrunched together. Yep. You can type in a normal, uh, natural position. Ah, so yeah, there was the iPad Pro ten and a half, but uh, there was also we didn't get any big Apple TV announcements either, which I was kind of looking forward to. However. Uh, we did get official news that Amazon Prime Video is coming to an app for your Apple TV, and, we had, yeah. and I think this is massive news. Agreed, and we had talked about that as a rumor of the show before, but now the fact that it is a fact is very, very good for us. So that is supposed to be getting delivered with uh, TVOS 11, or the next version of TVOS. I'm not sure if it's 11 or not. Yeah. Uh, one more th- real quick thing. The Podcasts app is getting a massive overhaul. That's also good Built for us. Built from the ground up, uh, just like the music and the app store are both getting complete ground up overhaul rebuilds. So it's going to look completely different. It's going to be a cards-based system where the developers can almost build like a pseudo web page for their app inside of the app store. Same with music where they put album art and lyrics and all kinds of stuff in there for an album uh, from an artist. Yeah. So now that they're giving that same treatment to podcasts, that's huge. One more note. Uh, it's always been a tricky thing with podcasting. For those of you out there that listen that also podcast, I'm sure you've, you've heard that they are going to be exposing a lot of the metrics from the iTunes store uh, to allow us to see subscriptions versus listens versus the amount of time they listened versus the source of where they came from. All of that stuff is now going to be exposed. So that could be a double-edged sword. I think it could be. I'm I'm fifty fifty excited and terrified about what that kind of stuff's going to show. I think it's great to have that that actual knowledge and to get it from the source, so you can actually um, analyze those metrics and, and determine maybe how we um, approach our audience and maybe we target yeah. different things. So it, it can only be a good thing. So yeah, I mean, we talked about a lot of tech stuff there. The the Apple, uh, all all of the Apple things, which are just more devices for us to keep watching TV and movies. <laughs> Hey, Andy, you remember Hugh Jackman's amazing Oscars opener performance that he did a couple years ago? Yes. Uh, he's very much a, a stage performer and can sing and can dance and do all that stuff. He's a great entertainer. Yes, absolutely. Well, now he is supposedly taking on uh, P.T. Barnum in a new cinematic musical, much in the same vein as uh, La La Land right. or something of the sort. So the legendary entertainer of entertainers, uh, P.T. Barnum, being played by Hugh Jackman, sold. I'm in. I can't wait. 
it'll be interesting to see how they um, portray P.T. Barnum because he, he doesn't have the greatest track record. Like, yes, he was the, you know, the greatest show on earth and all that such, but he, he I think there's a bit of a dark side to him. So it'll be fun to see uh, Jackman's take on all of that. And if they explore that route of that character, but if there is a person who would play a sort of ringmaster and like, you know, welcome to the biggest, you know, that would, he, he's the perfect choice. So not a lot of big Star Wars news this week, just a couple of quick hits. Trevorrow came out and also commented on how they were going to handle uh, Leia's passing or Carrie Fisher's passing with regards to Leia in Episode Nine, And he, he basically just said, look, we're going to do it with class. We're going to give Leia a proper ending to her story. Uh, there's going to be no CGI used. So that's intriguing to me that maybe they've got some extra footage. Maybe they shot some stuff that they can... Figure maybe there was a, a bonus scene of something that didn't make the final cut of episode eight that they could use to ship maybe a death scene of hers or something like that. I don't know. It's full speculation at this point, but I'm curious to hear what you think. Um, I, you know, I think it's just more lip service uh, about um, the fact that they're not going to do that. And I don't, I don't really read too much into that. However, um, he has a movie that's coming out or did come out that just got panned by the critics. It's something Henry, I forget the name of this. And so there's a there's an immediate worry about if he's going to be able to handle episode nine or not. So, um, yeah, he had a big hit with uh, Jurassic World in his first movie or whatever it was. But, you know, he doesn't have a lot of movies under his belt. And granted, neither does Ryan Johnson. But uh, I don't think Ryan Johnson had a movie like his Trevorrow's most recent that was as critically panned. So we'll see if, if Disney, uh, you know, being the bean counters that they are, looks at these numbers and and maybe makes a change. I don't think they're shooting episode nine yet. So. If they wanted to make a director change, they certainly could, but you know that would be bad as far as like the the PR stunt. But that's not to say that uh, big changes like that couldn't happen on the Disney side. If you consider the fact that um, remember our Alexander Desplat was supposed to do the Rogue One score, and then uh, he got fired, and then Giacchino wrote the thing in four weeks. Did you? I don't know if you heard this or not, or saw it on the Twitters, but uh, <laughs> apparently John Boyega you, naively and innocently tweeted something out about it feels good to be a villain again Uh-oh. or it feels good to play a villain for once i didn't see this but okay what, what is it and people read into this as what his character was going to be in episode eight. Oh no and all of a sudden within hours there is this whole new arc of fan theory that uh boyega is going to switch to the dark side he's going to become first order he's got all this stuff Oh, he was a stormtrooper, and he's already been trained, so it makes a lot makes perfect sense. I mean, it could happen. He, he, he basically just came out with, guys, guys, I was, I was talking about another project. Okay? <laughs> it has nothing to do with Star Wars. And uh, Hamill, t- funny enough, tweeted back to him. He goes, well, kid, now you know what it's like to be uh, completely typecast and you know be surrounded by this media attention. <laughs> or anything, anybody, anything that you say, everybody will latch on to. And assume it's Star Wars related. Hey, um, Amelia Clark, good old Daenerys uh, a Targaryen herself, who of course is going to be in the Han Solo movie, has said that she is more worried about Han Solo leaks or talks about that movie than she's ever been worried about Game of Thrones. And we know how secretive the leaks on that were, considering the whole world thought Jon Snow was dead. I can't believe that that Han Solo movie is more tight security than Game of Thrones, but I guess it makes sense. I mean, Game of Thrones notoriously had that crazy, like, keep the world secret of the Jon Snow death coming back to life, right? And they were able to pull that off. But the fact that she's even more worried about Han Solo, I mean, that just says that the Star Wars leaks are so, like, sacred, and they don't want anything to get out. From what she said, it wasn't so much about the security of it. It was that anything that she says that might even hint at something, the entire world will just grasp a hold of and run with. Yeah. 
and it, it's the it's the that's what she's scared of. It's not to do with the 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 corporate NDAs or anything that they have to deal with. It's just more of the impression of being in the public eye as part of the Star Wars universe. And she's watched some of her uh, you know fellow actors deal with, especially with the the re rise of of the Star Wars era. So I think that that's pretty that's saying something pretty substantial if she's more more scared of that than after what six seven seasons of game of thrones yeah. speaking of leaks it seems like there's a lot going on with hackers back in the states like the there's some guy had like the pirates movie and he was threatening to release it and then the orange is the new black thing that we talked about what's going on here do we care about this is it actually going to happen have we seen any evidence of them having these things and holding it over studios heads what, what are you hearing back there yeah so they've actually they actually put well it's all on netflix now but they had they did put five episodes of Orange is the New Black up on uh, the torrents right. where they could be downloaded, right? Okay. They did also claim to have pirate the new Pirates of the Caribbean movie, but it was only about a, like a 20-minute clip uh, of it, so they did not have the whole film. They, did, they do claim to have been paid the ransom for other properties by other companies. So the, what, what this is about is this has nothing to do with the studios it has nothing to do with the actors or actresses that are part of the film or anyone behind the scenes this has everything to do with the lack of security and lack of technology in these third-party post-production houses Hmm. like a deluxe or something like that where all these studios use the same guys to do all the coloring and the all the editing all that stuff that apply all of that post-production to put it all to to uh, to disc and all of that stuff that happens after you're done after you're wrapped right yeah that's where the security leak is so the studios are getting blamed for something that's not their fault and having worked with some of these post houses in the past I know that their technology is they're some of the cheapest people out there <laughs> when it comes to storage and things like that so they need to really beef up their stuff because I don't know if they understand what a treasure trove vault. They all have of all kinds of years worth of content that we haven't seen yet. All right, uh, so that's where the breach came from. They and they apparently they've got tons more that they've pulled off uh, out of these this post house that is yet to be released and are threatening to do it. And the studios, I don't think they're going to pay up. Yeah, because because why would you? Why would you pay up for that? What are you What are you saying? You know what I mean? Like, oh, don't here's the money. Don't release our stuff, and then you have them. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I don't get it. it. Like, don't, 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 don't release our movies. We'll pay you not to do it, even though it's going to come out next week anyway. So it's like, it, it, even, even, and, and then the next day after it comes in the theaters, Johnny with his um, handheld video camera is going to tape it and throw it on the internet anyway. So it's like, I get it that it's like they're they're going to beat the pirates of 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 the Caribbean um, pirates, <laughs> if you want to call them that, but. Uh, uh, I, I I don't know. This this it seems like a non-story to me. It's just like it gets the hackers buzz, or it even just creates like buzz about like like Netflix is like, oh man, they stole our um, Orange Is the New Black, and they're threatening to release it, which makes people think like, oh well, uh, Orange Is the New Black must be a really good show. Maybe I'll watch it because the hackers are going to get it to me. You know, if I don't, you know what I mean? Like, is it are they using that as like publicity for them in a weird way? I'm not really sure how what the the studios are thinking or what angle they're approaching it at. Um, I think. You're, you've got a point about it's going to get some Johnny with a video camera is going to go in and you know Malaysia or China whenever it gets there and record it and then put it on the internet. Uh, but at the same time, look, let's say that these guys got a hold of Wonder Woman right yeah. before before it released last weekend, or let's say something huge like what well, the Fast and the Furious movie, the, the fate of fate, fate fast fate, fate of the, the fa- fate, yep made a billion dollars right? right 
let's say they got a hold of that and they released it early on the internet. They leaked it early, and the movie only made like 150 million. They'd be livid. They'd be pissed. There'd be lawsuits flying up the yin yang. The FBI would be getting called. I'm sure they are anyway. But that's the point, and I think that's what they're trying to hold them ransom to. So if the hackers only want ten million dollars to get their movie back, that is ultimately going to make them a billion dollars. There's there's some logic there that it kind of makes sense just to pay them to get your property. Yeah, but then it sets a bad precedent because then every hacker is going to try and get it, and then that just becomes this other market of just like you know what I mean. Like it's like oh ten million. It's like well I've got episode eight. All right, then we want fifty million. You know what I mean? Like it's it just once you set that precedent of like paying off the hackers, I just don't think it's a good thing. Now, if you remember, this happened with the Expendables three, right? Didn't that like couldn't you get that movie on the internet before it came out? And and there were arguments that that actually hurt its box office. Didn't that happen with Expendables three? I'm almost positive that that happened back then. There was a film that 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 happened to, and I cannot remember if it was Expendables three or if it was something else. But they were very worried about that. I, I also there was a Quentin Tarantino script or something that got leaked yeah. that they were all, which was the hate ended up being the hateful eight uh-huh. script. Um, and then they had to do a bunch of rewrites. Anyway, th- this is a very real thing that I want people to understand. This happens every single day. I want you to imagine that you turn your laptop on, and instead of it booting into Windows or your Mac OS, a blue screen pops up and it has uh, an address to send Bitcoin to, let's say $10,000. And your your computer is crypto-locked and will not unlock itself you will lose everything on that computer if you do not pay them ten thousand dollars worth of bitcoin and then get a key from them to put into it to unlock everything that's on your drive this is what ransomware is yeah. and what i want everybody to understand is that this happens every single day in the enterprise in corporate america especially in the smaller and mid-sized companies and they're just paying it because they can't afford to lose all of that data right right so, it, yes, there's a huge security problem. This isn't something that's just randomly happening to this post house where this stuff's getting uh, hacked and, and ransomed. This is happening every single day to data around the world. And the precedent's already been set where people would rather just pay the money and move on and be able to continue to do business than have to try and figure out a way around it because there really isn't a way around it other than going to backups from a week ago if they actually work that's some that's some pretty scary stuff but you know what else is scary clowns especially the clown ah! especially the clown from it the new it thing Ugh. i hate clowns i hated the old it clown when it was tim curry now this bill skarsgård clown that's in the new it thing every time i see an image it like sends the creepy crawlies up my back and apparently it made a bunch of kid extras cry on set when they were shooting it shocker it would have made a bunch of adult extras cry too i bet Every time I see one of these Skarsgård actor names, all I can do is do it in pirate speak. Skarsgård! Yeah, and I always think of, like, uh, remember in um, Team America when Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were like, we're guards, we're guards. Like, Skarsgård, <laughs> Skarsgårds. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> I was about that for Dixon. Uh, oh, okay. Trailers. Uh, Let's talk about uh, a couple of trailers. We're, e- um, we're easily amused. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh we got a trailer called First or for a film called First Kill, which is kind of the resurgence or reappearance of Hayden Christensen yeah. uh, and Bruce Willis, yeah. the Bruce himself. So this looks this actually looks pretty good because um, it's Bruce Willis is a dirty corrupt sheriff, <laughs> uh, which you know, awesome. I'm in. You had me there. Yeah. Uh, and Hayden Christensen's character and their wife witness a, a robber getting killed out in the woods. 
but he's not dead. So when the cops execute him, alleged or attempt to execute him, and they go away, they're still there hiding, and the guy's alive. So they go over and take him home, patch him up because his wife's conveniently a nurse. Of course, and. And of course, I'm telling you the whole premise now in about two and a half minutes because they tell you the whole fucking story in the trailer. All right. I can't stand that shit. <laughs> so anyway, I might as well tell you, or you could just go watch the trailer and save yourself 20 bucks. I'm good. But the twist turns around and blah, 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 and then it turns into a chase and who's got the money and where's the money bag and Bruce turns on Hayden Christensen and Hayden turns on the cop and it's him versus... <sighs> it's so predictable. It looks fun. But it's so predictable, I think it's going to take all the air out of it, even though you've got that kind of level of talent in, in a film that should be a good, really good film. I just I think it's going to be a big disappointment. Well, let's talk about some happy movies and some movies that are doing well. Obviously, the Wonder Woman is still a smash hit. I cannot wait to see this thing. Uh, good old Superman himself, Henry Cavill, has come out and said uh, that he has congratulated them. You know, it's sort of like, you know, go team uh, Justice League. Wasn't didn't he do something where he put on the original Christopher Reeve suit for something? What what was that? I think it was some kind of anniversary deal of the original film, and they they he went over to uh, Warner Brothers and they put, they cracked open the vault and there it was, and they were like, Henry, we want to put this on you because you're about the same size <laughs> and it fit. And he I think he put an Instagram picture of him up in the original Reeves Superman suit from the seventies. That's so cool. And I was just like, Wee! yeah. Hey, uh, we got another superhero trailer that kind of came out of nowhere. We knew this movie was getting made, and I didn't really know what to think of this until I saw this trailer. Did you see the Black Panther trailer? I did. Wow. Right? I'll let you go first. So no wow for you? Because I, th- I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it looked great. I think they nailed the character. You know, They set him up in Civil War. I think it has a really cool look to it. Yeah, I'm hoping this is going to be one of those like Ant-Man things where it's a character you don't really know about. And we've seen just a little bit of him, and it's going to turn into a, a really cool movie. I really like the tone. I really like the way the movie looked. Um, it looks like he's in the right spot to to, to do it. I like Ryan Coogler as a director. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this movie. Uh, I thought it was average. Okay. I I'm not overly excited about this. Um, I I did not get as excited about this trailer as I did Paul Rudd and Ant Man, uh, especially with the um, the Michael Douglas cameo that was in there. I said cameo. It wasn't a cameo. He had a major role in the film. Yeah. But there was just something in there chemistry-wise that you could feel in the Ant-Man film. It's a great analogy that they're doing these standalones that you made. Um, but I felt like this was a little bit contrived. It was a little bit... Mm, I don't know what the word I want to use is. I think contrived is good, but it just... it. It didn't like, wow, the the end shot of the car flipping over and him landing on it. Yeah, I'll give you that. It's some rough CGI that's probably going to get some extreme spit and polish before it ever makes the theater. But yep. that looked cool. I want to see, I want to see, if it's Black Panther, I want to see Black Panther doing some Black Panther shit. Yeah. I don't want to see a bunch of backstory and the tribes of Africa and spending a bunch of time and all of the... I, all of that, I want to see superheroes doing superhero shit. I'm tired of the origin stories. Yeah. Even with Wonder Woman. I, I wish, I, I hope, when I do get around to seeing it, I, and I, don't spoil it for me, anybody, but the, I want it to be more about Wonder Woman doing Wonder Woman things, not two hours of exposition and, and origin story, and then 20 minutes of, yeah, 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 roll credits. You know, that sounds like you might need to go complain about something uh, to the manager, right? I, I'm going to need to speak to the manager, so I, I hope you'll excuse me for a minute, but I, I need to go over here and talk to him about this. Um, All right, I'll be right here. 
if I hear one more person, and I'm looking at you, New York Times, say that Wonder Woman is the only is the is the first this and that and the other, I'm gonna lose my shit. They, you are completely discounting 30-plus years of film history and legacy. You're completely discounting Ellen Ripley or Sigourney Weaver. You're completely discounting um, Sarah Connor or Linda Hamilton. All, uh, the girl from Starship Troopers. The girl from... Uh, there have been... Uh, Robocop. Linda... I can't remember her last name. There have been plenty of major leading female roles in fantasy fiction type of movies. This is not some massive major breakthrough. Yes, have we always wanted a Wonder Woman movie? Fuck yes. I can't believe we finally got one, and I'm hearing amazing things about it. But let's get off of the pulpit about how this is the first major, this is the first time a female's had a major lead in a, in a ma- massive film. Yeah, the, there's rumors going around that she did it for scale just to get the part because they wanted somebody else. So let, let's let's... Temper this kind of thing. And, and this was all triggered by an article that was in the New York Times, one of their 27 different things that they ran in a week on the success of this movie and how you know polarizing it was because it was, oh, God, it was the first female superhero movie. I, fine, that's fine. But let's get away from all of the rhetoric about this being the first time a female has ever done this because there's plenty of examples before. There's going to be plenty of examples after it. And it's not some, it's a flash in the pan. Yes, they're going to have the DC uh, EU around for a little bit. But yeah, there's going to be others. And there were plenty before. Hey, you know, I can think of two movies right off the bat that actually follow that criteria as well. Um, And they made a lot of money. Ready? The Force Awakens and Rogue One. Yeah. <laughs> so I agree with you on this. Daisy Ridley was one of the other ones that I was trying <laughs> yeah. to come up with. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, those are two strong female characters, and that's great. So, yes. Uh, hey, I'm all for it. I have two daughters. Keep doing it. I need more role models for my kids besides myself. You know what else you need a role model for is, uh, is Tom Hardy, who seems to be in the talks to play everything from Venom to what else? What else did we put him in? Remember uh, when, when he's Venom and he's going to be like, oh, Spider-Man, I guess I'm going to have to stop you. Now he's going to be playing apparently uh, Aladdin. Or no, he's going to be playing Jafar in Aladdin, the Guy Ritchie Aladdin, right? Is that what's happening? Can you imagine this? Yeah, it- Let's hope he does the be- Bane voice for this too. I, I don't know what that's going to be. I'm interested to see what this turns out to be guy Ritchie directing aladdin like if they cast aladdin yeah, yeah who's that knows gonna... but i mean jafar all he has to do is basically do the voice from taboo <laughs> right <laughs> there's our classic tom okay. hardy impression maybe we, the, maybe we should mark maybe my we should, words we've probably done this story a bit too long maybe we should go to the next one perhaps you should have cast aladdin before <laughs> jafar yeah. i will go on record right now and say this movie will live and die by the casting of the genie, period. Yep. Uh, whoever, the, they better nail the casting of that. They better nail the acting of that and the direction of that. Uh, I don't care who you cast as Jafar or who you cast as Aladdin. The genie makes this story. Well, if it's Guy Ritchie, so, I mean, it's just it's like, who's? let's think of an overweight British guy who's funny. All right, Nick Frost will be playing the genie in Aladdin. <laughs> nice. That, that, could, that could actually work. Might, yeah. That could actually work. Yeah. Uh, Ray... You could give it to Ray Winston. <laughs> yeah. oh, fuck off, you slag. Yeah. You know, uh, what? Is this, is this a Disney movie? Yeah. 
All right, so let's uh, let's. It's a recipe for disaster to have Guy Ritchie direct a Disney movie, anyway. Yeah, so I'm 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 halfway hysterically dying to see what happens. Yeah, but that. Aladdin's also a musical with a bunch of songs, right? I mean, it is the, the movie is based around all the songs, and I don't know if Guy Ritchie has the musical chops to do all this. He certainly has the style and the panache, but like, I don't think you want to use that Guy Ritchie style in a Disney. Um, remake do you think so do you think that works you don't want to distract from like the the disney sort of formula but hey you know what um i guess this is kind of a movie slash video game story that i'm that i'm just remembering so universal is set to open up like super mario world in japan now yes! okay tell me about this because we might have to go to japan right I, i'm already looking at tickets uh based on when this opens up because those are expensive tickets and you might have to buy them two years out for them to be less than a thousand dollars but uh, Super Mario World. Yes, there are there are going to be, and they filed patents for this. Okay, for the design of the cars to insinuate that there's going to be some kind of drifting or spinning action yes. on a car ride. Now, what does that lead you to think we might be getting? Uh, Mario Karts. Yes. Yes. Oh, they're gonna have a Mario Kart ride. Uh, this also could be Donkey Kong Country oh, type of stuff yes. where you're riding in the barrels. Uh, this could be all kinds of good stuff. So I'm I'm super stoked about this. Look, man, if it's successful over there, it's only a matter of time before it gets over here. But you know what'll happen? Uh, you won't be able to get tickets to it because that's what Nintendo does. <laughs> the ride will be open for 10 minutes once a month. Whenever they get uh, a Switch uh, shipment in stock, you'll get to ride the ride, and that's it. And then it closes for a month. And you don't get to ride it, and you just get to hope that you ride it, just like you get to hope that you get a game or a system from that crazy company, and I'm still mad at them after last week. Sorry. Do you need to go talk to the manager? No, I already talked to the manager about this the other week, but yeah. it's like <laughs> I want to ride this ride, but I know that I won't ever get to do it. It's like it's Nintendo's classic thing, like, hey, you want this thing? You can't have it. Ha! Take it. It's it's like Wario or Waluigi actually run that company, I swear to God. They're, they're in, like, every time we want something, like, <laughs> you know, like, I'm going to win. All that crap. So to close things out here in TV and movies, um, one of my childhood guilty pleasure fan favorite films is getting a reboot treatment finally. And I know I have stood up on this pulpit, called the concession stand, yep. and said hell no to reboots and hell no to, you know, all of this you know, treatments of our classic eight seventies and eighties movies. This one, however, I'm going to stand up and say, okay, no, I'm not. This could, I'm okay. not. This, this is, could be okay. This is one place that I don't want to go to in reboot city. I don't want to go there at all. Go ahead. Tell us what it is. Cannonball run. No. Uh, I think it's ripe for a reboot of this franchise. Uh, you have got all kinds of uh, enthusiasts. What I don't want to see it turn into is fucking fast and the furious of the next generation That's or whatever. kind of what it is. I mean, right? It's kind of what it is in a weird way, yes, but a comedy version. I don't know if you can recreate the Burt Reynolds, the Dom DeLuise, the, all of the, the characters, the Rodney Dangerfield, all of the cameos that were in those films. I don't know if... I think they could be a modern-day version of this series. I If there's anything that could stand a reboot that is will, that would is a good platform for a reboot, I think this is it. I don't know if it'll do anywhere near as good as those movies did or have the following that they did. No, uh, But I, I, if there's anything to reboot, I think this is good. Yeah, so here's here's the here's the first casting if we were going to do it. Ready? It's Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill. There you go. That's Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise. Uh, that would be good. I will say that the whatever they do with this, the actors are the key. Whoever they cast will make or break this And it's got to be like one of those huge ensemble things like Cannonball Run was, like Mad, 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 Mad. You have to have like like at least 15 
really huge names of just people having fun with something like this and sending it yes. up and you know what I mean like taking a pay cut just to get this thing made you know what I mean just to sort of honor that movie and what it was and maybe Reynolds will still be alive and do a cameo in it right I mean who knows but we're gonna rent I'm, a I'm, giant fucking bus and put yeah. all of you on it and pay you scale right. and you we're just gonna have a giant freaking party for the next three months yep. are you guys in yeah. that's kind of has to I thought I would see it going down but again who they put in this and how they all interact. The Apatow crew comes to mind. Yep. There's a big moldy of chemistry between that whole ensemble there. Danny McBride, James Franco, Seth Rogen. Uh, whatever. This is the I mean, end. It could be that. It could be those two. Franco and Rogan could be Reynolds and, and Deloise. That would that would work. Right? Yeah, throw Paul Rudd in there. I mean, sure. you've got a ton of, of and then you throw the ladies. So I mean there's a ton of talent out there that could pull this off. But I think it, the casting is going to come down to, to be in the thing. As much as I don't want it to happen, I do admit that if they did it, it might be a lot of fun. But you know what else is a lot of fun? There was something that happened at the convention center back there all last week that was a lot of fun. And that will lead us to talking about some video games. So Andy, do you remember a game called Shinmu that was on Dreamcast? Yes. I do. It was one of the two games that I actually, actually played on Dreamcast. Amazing. That one in Soul Reaver. Yep. Um, those games were absolutely amazing. Yeah. Landmark games from Sega. Shin Mew 2 from X was also on Xbox uh-huh. as well, the sequel. Mm-hmm. Not not that as good as the first one, nope. but still very, very good. Um Shin Mew 3 recently became the most backed Kickstarter for a game ever. Ever. Yeah. For forever, yeah. ever. Um so it was supposed to come out later this year. Uh-huh. Uh, it got teased last year as well, and then it was delayed till this year. Now it has been delayed till the second half of 2018. I will say this. I will wait for the next five to ten years for this game. Uh, it's being done by the absolute legend of Sega. His name's Yu Suzuki. Huh? I'm very excited to see him making a comeback, especially with this title. Yes. Uh, so take your time, Yu. But... Why don't you make us a remaster of the first and the second ones while we're at yeah. it? That probably wouldn't be that big of a deal so that we can play those while you wait, sell them to us for 20 bucks a piece or a package for 35 something like that, and that'll tide us over for the next year while you guys finish that one. It would probably take you a week to, to remaster and distribute those. So. You know, I haven't told you this, but I actually am as part of that Kickstarter program, and I was at the very beginning. So I have, I think, $80 towards that game, which will give me a copy of the PS4 of that game and the soundtrack and a bunch of stuff. I put that money in whenever that thing started two years ago. You probably didn't know that, but now you do. So I'm all about this, and I've already given them my money, and I, I I will wait as long as it takes. I absolutely loved that first game. Hey, really quick, uh, before we get into the, the meat of the show, what I really am chomping at the bit to talk about, there's this video game called Everything. It's literally, that's the name of it, okay. Everything. It can play itself, so there's AI built into it, and because of that, this qualifies it for an Oscar in the animated short category. Huh. So we huh. might actually have a video game nominated for an Oscar awesome. next year. That's awesome. That would be a landmark his- piece of history for video games uh, as the first time of something like that happening. Fantastic. Hey, so we, we sort of hinted at it, but E3 was last week in Los Angeles. Microsoft had their big announcement of the Xbox One X. That sounds like a perfect topic for the lobby in a minute. However, they did announce a couple of other games that are exclusives to them. Forza 7, of course, uh, the next Forza series. Uh, I've been a fan of both the Horizon and the regular Forza series, so I will be excited for that. For the first time ever on that, 
There was a car that was exclusively unveiled with the game, right? What, what happened with this? There was a moment in history that was made on stage. Okay. For the first time ever, a car manufacturers traditionally go to the car shows uh-huh. to reveal either their prototypes or their new models of cars that are coming out. For the first time ever, on the stage of E3, alongside Forza 7, Porsche unveiled the brand new GT2 RS, which is their super high-end race car edition mm-hmm. of the GT series, the next one. Uh, to be not only a new car in Forza 7, but it's also available now. So th- that was a massive deal. Normally you see this stuff happen in Detroit, yep. here they are, or Germany, uh, etc., with uh, these new cars. For the first time ever, we saw a car get unveiled on stage at a video game conference, which just, if you take a second to really let that sink in, that's how far we've come. Hmm. You immediately texted me about this game, Anthem, and I watched the trailer, and I was completely blown away by this thing. Um, I it, it's one of those where I, like I can't wait to play it. I have a bit of that like No Man's Sky hesitancy to it because it looks too good to be true. I mean, what do you think of this Anthem game? So Destiny, Mass Effect, and Titanfall all got together and had a big three way, and the, a baby came out, <laughs> and it, that's what Anthem looks like. The graphics on this look like incredible. The interactive nature of it. They showed seven minutes of actual in game footage of like the first mission, and it looks. I, I have never seen anything that is this. Th- I think this is what Mass Effect was supposed to look like. Yeah. Uh, what Andromeda was supposed to deliver for us, essentially. And this isn't, like, but it looks absolutely incredible. Yeah, but this isn't like a guy in a spacesuit with a gun running around a new planet, right? That's what you would immediately think when you think of Mass Effect, Destiny, and Titanfall had a kid, right? No, the, yeah. you're flying everywhere like Superman, and it's like this open world flying and then landing and then. Like I said, this is this looks too good to be true, but I saw it with my own eyes, and I just don't believe that this game is actually going to happen because it looks just too awesome. You said Superman. I say Iron Man. Yeah, yeah that's you even a better description. Iron Man with rockets on your back and feet and hands flying around everywhere. You're even flying through water. You can even use the rocket boosters to sprint, which when they did that, I kind of went, oh! You know, there were so many geekgasms that I had in this seven-minute gameplay trailer that they showed. It was just unbelievable. So I think this is a launch title, if I'm not mistaken, for the Xbox One X. Mm, uh, is it? I don't know when it's coming, but I don't know that they've officially announced it yet. But uh, definitely keep an eye out for Anthem, and we will be talking about that one a lot more in the near future. Hey, what's going on on the Sony side? Um, so n- we didn't get a new console. I think some of us kind of expected it. We've been hearing about Project Scorpio for the best part of a year now, so we knew we were going to get that. Uh, and I think in a weird way, I, I I can't remember if we've ever had a year where we didn't get both, at least the last couple of generations where we didn't get both in the same year. And I know we just got PS4 Pro last year, but we also got Xbox One S. Mm-hmm. I was a little bit, I got to say, I was a little bit disappointed that Sony didn't come out with a next-gen console uh, for this year. But there's some arguments as to whether or not that was necessary, and, and we can save that for the lobby in a little bit as well. Sure, let's talk about uh, some of the games they came out with. Yeah, Spider-Man stole the show for me, and I, I'm, I'm just going to go right out there and say that. The Spider-Man gameplay trailer... They've finally done it, Andy. I know there's been several Spider-Man games in the past, but this looks absolutely amazing, yeah. and it's right up there with Anthem for me uh, for for stealing the show. I didn't see this coming at all. Me neither. It, but it reminded me the of the like, amount of web slinging that you're doing and throwing around. It just looks 
godlike, and I can't wait. It, re- it reminded me of like those Batman Arkham games, but with Spider Man instead. You know, like sort of like open world, flying around and then like jumping down to the ground and like taking people out. It felt like one of those. It felt like one of those Arkham Knight Batman games, but with Spider Man. And I loved those Batman games, so I can't wait to play a version of that with Spider Man. Hey, are you caught up on the recent, uh, the the most recent edition of the Spider Man series? Yes. Uh, so at the end of that Spider-Man video, there was a nice little nod or call out to uh, Miles Morales, mm-hmm. who is the current, Spider-Man. I guess, Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Yeah, I kind of stopped reading uh, it when that happened, but that's fine. I knew that he was the, the guy. Yeah, so at the end, it was it was pretty cool. So for those of you that, that didn't know, I actually had to go look it up because I, I knew that was some kind of call out or, you know, a wink. Uh, to the comic readers, so I went and looked it up afterwards. But if go watch the Spider Man thing again, and you go, "Hey, Miles, let's go!" That just real quick throwaway at the end. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn that came out earlier this year, one of my candidates for Game of the Year, yep. and I think it's probably going to be my Game of the Year if things hold the way that they are. Um, is already getting an expansion later this year. Cool. And this, I, I absolutely loved playing this game. It's five stars in my opinion. I I finished it and I still kind of want to go back and play it. To me, this is right up there with an Uncharted game. Uh, I just I loved it that much, and I can't wait to play the expansion stuff. Speaking of Uncharted, we got another look at Lost Legacy, which comes out in a little over uh, two months now. Um, it, we get to see the the Chloe and uh, is it Nadine character? Yeah. Uh, we get to see their new adventure. Forty dollars. We talked about that price point being maybe a little bit too high, but uh, that's a cool one. Uh, the fact that we saw Shadow of Colossus, arguably one of the greatest games ever made, getting remade in another version of it uh, for 2018. Uh, that's pretty cool. There was this other Days Gone game that I saw. Can you talk about that one a little bit? Yes. So this is one that they've been dancing around going on three years now. And this is the one with the biker that runs into the barn and it has like this uh, the herd of zombies that are constantly chasing him and, you know, like coming out of like almost like a a swarm of bees or something coming out of a hole. Sweet. This this looks bikers, zombies, sold. I'm in. Yeah. That, that's all you had to tell me. Get this game released ASAP. I can't wait to play it. Uh, Monster Hunter World. Uh, that I never really got into those games, but those are a big deal. Usually those come out for the Nintendo systems. Uh, it's a mm-hmm. big monster collection thing that takes millions of hours to collect all the giant monsters. It's like Pokemon, but for grownups. And uh, well, we saw some. More- it's like it's like Pokemon with a giant Final Fantasy sword, exactly, and giant Final <laughs> Fantasy monsters that you're collecting instead of cute little things. That go hee hee, right? Uh, Call of Duty World War II also got a little bit of a spot, but you know, it's, it's it makes me laugh. It's Battlefield One with Nazis. That's really what this comes down to. Uh, that's coming out on November third later this year, just in time for the holiday season. Yeah, and the, obviously when we talk about Sony, one of their biggest and most successful properties and IPs of all time is, of course, the God of War series. We got to look at the new God of War game. Looks like it's going to be incredible in four K. I mean, and he's like older Kratos now. He's got like a beard. He's like Obi Wan Kratos. It looks like, but um, <laughs> yeah. he's still going to be a badass. And I mean, next gen. I, I can't wait. I was literally standing out of my seat, volume turned all the way up, jaw on the floor, just OMGing at the TV for what seemed like 10 to 15 minutes straight of this gameplay cinematic that they showed. I just, that's all I can say is just, there's no words. If you have not seen the God of War E3 reveal, stop what you're doing right now. Go watch that one, Anthem and Horizon Zero Dawn. Also, one you'll want to check out is Destiny Two. Hey, I can't. This is all you, Andy. Oh, Go man, for I it. can't wait. It's it's it. it uh, they're changing all the guns in the game. Everything about the the, the game looks better than the first one. Uh, it looks like it's all story and character bases, which is what we've always wanted. 
and there's a bunch of exclusives on the Sony side. I mean, it, it should be a lot of fun. It'll be interesting to see how the rollout of the PC part goes with uh, with the Blizzard uh, interaction integration. Yeah, they're gonna. I guess, I guess that doesn't come out until October, where the they move the release date up to September sixth on the console side. I mean, we're gonna get the demo here uh, or the beta rather, in, in I think a couple of weeks, June eighteenth or something like that. So. No, it's uh, July 11th, I Oh, believe. July 11th, that's it. So, yeah, we're going to get our hands on this game sooner rather than later. And I, I mean, I can't wait. I'm, I'm ready to move on from the first game. I've spent thousands of hours with it, and I've loved it, but I can't wait to see what's next. A couple of other updates from a couple of the big game publishers. Let's talk about Ubisoft really quick. Uh, we got a new South Park trailer. Yes. Again, uh, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Whenever they, whenever they, I'm glad they're delaying it. It means that it needs more work. It's probably Trey Parker being overly anal retentive, which he always is, uh, which always works out better for us as fans. So take as long as you need, release it when it's ready, whatever. Next to that, uh, one of my favorite kind of guilty pleasures for driving games is a sequel to The Crew. Hmm. Now, this was a kind of secret smash hit uh, for, for these guys. It did really, really well. Uh, what they're doing with it, and it was kind of an entrance into the open world driving simulator so it was kind of a mesh of the two so you could do quests you could do uh an mmo type of thing where you kitted out your car with better mods and all of that kind of stuff to make your car faster sound different look different all of that kind of stuff well now they've taken that one step further not one step further one country further now the entire united states is open to you in an open-world platform. It's not just tied to a city anymore. You can literally drive around the country. Awesome. I can't wait to get my hands on this. And interestingly enough, is this becoming a new Grand Theft Auto? Maybe. That's what it feels like. I mean, just without the guns and the gratuitous whoring and (laughs) violence and all of that stuff, maybe. Maybe that this is becoming the kind of new family-friendly GTA, if if that's even a thing. I love the first one. I'm definitely playing this one. That's what I want to get to. Um, We saw a little bit of the new Far Cry 5, whatever. I'm sure it'll be great. Um, But yes, you made a note about how you're geeking out about this Skull and Bones game from Ubisoft. Take all the good things from um, Assassin's Creed Black Flag when you're a pirate and you're on the ships and big ship battles, right? It's a big pirate game with ships and ship battles and big epic open ocean, all kinds of fun, you know, pirate stuff, right? We were excited. We talked about Sea of Thieves, which is coming on the Microsoft side from Rare, which is a little more cartoony and a little more teamwork. If you're looking for more of like a a big bad uh, pirate violent sim, and from Ubisoft, this is what it's coming from them. So if you haven't seen the the stuff around this game, it's pretty awesome. I've watched some of the streams of the early access st- uh, yeah. partner streamers with their hands on this, That's and so cool. what I, what I will say is it's multiplayer only. From what I gather, you have to go in with a team, so it's kind of like the first Titanfall game where it's only multiplayer. Um, I think there is a queuing system, so you can go in solo and go, join up with a party. It would make sense to do that. Uh, but the the funniest part about this is the coordination of people trying to figure out what to do. <laughs> how do you load and shoot a cannon? How do you board a ship that's all the way away? How do you what ships? How do you sail the thing? Are you sure you're not talking so, about Sea of Thieves on this? No, I'm pretty okay. sure I was watching Skull and Bones okay. on this one. Uh, the so there's going to be different specialties that people are going to pick up, right? Cool. There's going to be one guy on your team that really knows how to sail the ship and use the wind. Nice. There's different types of ships that have rams on them versus big cannon uh, for broadside battles. Cool. Uh, there's going to be guys that uh, can shoot cannons and will board other ships and be, you know, the swashbucklers with the swords. All I mean, th- this looks extremely in depth. I'm really, really excited about this. Uh, another company we spent a lot of money on in, in past years with Skyrim and, and other games, uh, Bethesda, 
made some pretty big announcements that I know you're excited about, such as... Oh my god, Doom VR. (laughs) If there is anything, anything that's going to make me go out and buy a PlayStation VR, it's Doom in VR. That would be awesome. And I will have to also have to buy diapers, because I will be shitting myself (laughs) with a VR headset on playing Doom with the music cranked all the way up. That game scares me just on TV, playing it with a, on TV with the music up. I, I put a VR headset on. I, I, I am, that might make me go drop $400 on a PlayStation VR. That said, Fallout 4 is also going to get a VR treatment. Is this leading to something? Maybe. It's one of, kind of one of my final conclusions. But see, here's the, has, has, has the VR thing really taken off? Has, do you know anybody? Have you talked to anybody? Have you read anybody? Like, they don't even come out and review these games in VR. And this thing has been out pretty much almost a year now. I don't think it's caught on. I think it's like that PlayStation Move thing. Um, I, I, I don't know if we're ready yet. And maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe they came out with it too early. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't see a lot of VR stuff out there. And I wasn't at E3. I didn't see. Um, it was everywhere. Really? Okay. But yeah, it just it was it was everywhere. And uh, you know that might be just a, the nature of a trade show environment, the thing they're wanting to push. Uh, but when you see the publishers kind of going all in with some of their major titles on VR like this, that means they're probably getting incentivized by Sony yep. to push their games to be, you know, have a VR version. That means that Sony's going to push VR really heavily on the consumer base. So uh, I'm I'm kind of curious as well. Uh, what uh, I mean, I, I know that they've sold. I think as of earlier this month, they crossed the million units sold for the PlayStation VR. Huh, okay. So I mean they're out there. There's 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 nowhere near the 60 million PS as of uh, PS4s that are out there, but they've sold a million of these. Yeah. So that's a pretty big milestone and that just happened this month by the way. I just I just looked it up while we were talking about it. Huh. Uh, as of June 5th they crossed uh, a million units sold and that just came out in November if I'm not mistaken. Right, right before Yeah, Christmas. I think so. So yeah, in in 7 8 months they've sold a million of them. That's Okay, you got my attention. One other thing from Bethesda, and I know that you're excited about this. Did you play the Wolfenstein game for PS4? I think that was a surprise game that nobody really played, and it was excellent. There's a sequel coming, right? I don't know that I played it. I think there was one for PS3 that I played. I don't know that PS4. I played one. There was the a one PS4 that was on one PS4. that was excellent. Okay, I need to go back and play yeah. it again. So, history yeah. lesson for all of you youngins out there. Wolfenstein actually predates Doom. Yep. It was one, it, Everybody gives Doom credit for kind of being the first FPS Eh, it was Wolfenstein. Castle Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein. Castle Wolfenstein. Thank you. So it was one of the first first-person shooter games. It was very much like Doom. It was the same kind of gameplay style because there was only really one engine back then. And it was, you know, basically you're running around instead of shooting demons, you're shooting Nazis because we all fucking hate Nazis, right? Uh, so now this brand new edition uh, comes back. The in-game cinematics that they showed out at the show at E3 look incredible. And the interesting part is, if you're a fan of the T- of the Amazon series Man in the High Castle, mm-hmm. this game is built on the same premise oh. where it's as if Germany won the war, right? Right. If the Nazis won World War II uh, and they took over America, so think about it in that context. And there's a rebel group of sorts in the states, a splintered out group, where that you have to go out and fight off all the Nazis and all that stuff. It looks incredible. It looks ridiculous. It looks gory and bloody, as all of the Wolfenstein games have notoriously been over the over the decades now. 
Uh, this one is going to be a huge smash hit, I hope. I actually might go back and play that Wolfenstein game on PS4 again. I forget what it was called, but um, I think you could probably buy it right now for like 15 bucks used if you you know if you went back and got it, or it might even be on a sale on the PS4 store, but you should look that one up. It was really good. Um, you really, really followed this E3 stuff a lot more than I could, obviously, being over here. Um, tell me about your, just your overall takeaways. I don't want to speak for it because I know that you really followed it. So what are your final thoughts? No, for, I mean, and the reason this is important to me is because I casually – watch some of this stuff every year right. oh that looks cool oh that looks cool yeah. and i catch it on youtube or whatever yeah. for the first time ever i'm i was actually in a position where i was in los angeles i was here for the week i didn't ha- really have any kind of expectations it starts over the weekend and goes into monday tuesday so that's kind of a nice big open area and i went down to hollywood i followed this i chatted with people i talked to them about uh what they thought and all of this kind of stuff and I just kind of fully engrossed myself in it. And I got to say, man, it was such an awesome, rewarding group to be a part of uh, where you could just let your geek flag fly. Yeah. There's no pretense. There, everybody's there for the same thing. Everybody's there for the love of the game, for the love of the video game. And just it was so much fun. I, I just I can't rave about it enough. If you're in California, if you're in Los Angeles especially, put this on your calendar every year, second week of June, and just make sure you're in the Hollywood area to try and come to this. A couple of big takeaways. Uh, 4K UHD. I've never heard it mentioned more than I did this past week. It has officially become the new standard, uh, and now that the consoles have latched onto that, that's going to become household vernacular next. So all of the other TVs that aren't 4K HD, sorry if you don't have one or if you bought something else, 4K UHD, Ultra HD, is going to become the next big standard, which is you've heard 1080p and 720p. 4K is 2160p. Also, props to Naughty Dog. Mm -hmm. These are the guys that make Last of Us and Uncharted. I mean, if you look at all of the games, you can see the influence and the inspiration that... Uh, that Naughty Dog brought to them from The Last of Us and the Uncharted games because a lot of them look like clones. They're the third-party, bottom-left corner, over-the-shoulder style of gameplay. There's a lot of ducking and moving around and jumping over that is is kind of the standard MO for, for the Uncharted games. But the newer games that I saw come out, specifically if you look at things like, I mean, even Mass Effect Andromeda to an extent had that kind of look to yeah. it. Um, so, I mean, th- it's, it's kind of become a thing. So I just want to give those guys a huge shout out. You guys are killing it. I can't wait to play Last of Us 2. Get that out as soon as you can, yeah. please. Uh, and, and the, the new Lost Legacy or whatever the Uncharted expansion is, I'm definitely going to be playing that one. You know, uh, we, we skipped over a major thing that happened at E3, something everybody in the world was waiting for. And, 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 uh, we certainly were excited about it, too. So that was, of course, the Xbox One X, which was finally revealed, which was previously called Project Scorpio. I think that deserves a little chat about it in the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. The Xbox One X. <laughs> uh, there's too many X's going on here. Yeah. Uh, it's it, and I'm, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It just is X extreme. Because all they did was talk about how extreme all the gear is, all the hardware and all the components, and it's the biggest, baddest fucking console ever made. <laughs> and just X, Y, X, Y, S, Y, three, Y, one, Y, S, Y, X. It doesn't make any sense. Help me understand. Look, we can it. agree that that uh, Microsoft has been terrible about naming their stuff since uh, Xbox three hundred and sixty, and then it was Xbox One, which is 
359 numbers backward. Now they're going into Roman numerals. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. But let's talk about the guts of this thing, right? And basically the major spec is nothing underneath the hood. It's the price point, and that's 500 bucks for this thing. Uh, it seems like a lot, man. I mean, you got the Xbox One S that's running at two fifty or three hundred with uh, with a bundle. I mean, why is somebody going to shell out another two hundred dollars for a system that plays the same games? Just they look yeah. a little better. But you also have to get a giant four K TV. Not necessarily a giant four K TV, but you have to get a four K TV to make it look as good as it's supposed to look, right? Well, you have to get a giant one because otherwise it's going to mean fuck all. Yeah. If you got a little thirty inch TV. What's the point of having 4K? Right. You got to have a 55, 60 or bigger. Yeah. And they're not that expensive for those TVs now. I mean, but that all that aside, um, what's the selling point? Is the selling point that you're getting a, a Blu-ray, a 4K HD Blu-ray player on the, on, under the hood on this, whereas with the uh, PS4 Pro, which again, almost the same specs, right? Other than the processing power of it, um, that's $100 cheaper. Well, they came out, uh, Phil came out on stage and sold this thing. Like, actually, it wasn't him. It was their uh, head of engineering. Okay that uh, was kind of in charge of building this. But he came out and he sold this thing like it was a giant gaming rig, like a PC. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting, rattling through specs the way that he was. And everybody going, woo, and clapping after you say, it's got a CPU, woo, it's got memory, woo, (laughs) it's got six teraflop GPUs, woo. That got a little bit tired after a while. Uh, Speaking of the CPUs, it's also interesting that these guys have gone with AMD, not Intel. And I think AMD is getting a nice, big, fat resurgence right now, not only because of this, but they're seeing some nice inroads around that stuff. So, yes, does it have a ton of hardware in it? Is it going to be able to run just about anything at 60 frames per second in 4K? Yeah. Is mom going to go out and buy her 10-year-old a $500 rig that doesn't have one or but one or two games? Well... I guess they will, because they kind of just did it with the Switch, didn't they? I know somebody that did that, but still, yeah. I, what you're getting at is simply this. 500 bucks for a system. Now, it's not like it only plays one or two games. It plays one or two games in the in the Xbox One enhanced mode. Well, that brings up an interesting point. Are, are, are you just buying a... F- if there's not going to be that many games... Well, I guess you would have games for both, but let's put games aside for a second. Uh, is this just going to become a $500 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray player? I mean, I could see that as a marketing strategy for sure. I mean, that's how they kind of marketed the PS3. Remember, it was a $600 video game system and Blu-ray player at a time when uh, Blu-ray players were very expensive. And I believe 4K UHD Blu-ray players are very expensive as well. And how much do you need that in a world that's headed to all digital anyways? You don't need um, a 4K UHD Blu-ray player for Netflix 4K. Uh, you know what no. I mean? But we've always said that disc-based stuff is the the way to get the truest, you know, uh, um, or even off of a hard drive, is the best way to get a true 4K signal from a disc, you know, without any sort of compression over the internet, right? I think even with my 300 meg download speed that I have, the old Time Warner or Charter Ultimate, I, I can't even, I wouldn't even be able to get a 4K stream off of that. Right. So I, I, yes. And we're going to have to go back to buying discs? God, I hope not. Uh, does it become a point where, and, and with the, the Apple TV, it's not like you can just download a bunch of mm-hmm. them. Maybe you could download them to your computer and then stream it to your Apple TV locally. Right. But at, at some point, the data is going to get so big that we're going to get back into this chicken egg scenario sure. again where 
Uh, it's we've we've got we don't have enough bandwidth to do what technology has caught up and, and done. So I, I don't know. I agree. It's all digital. I'm all digital at this point. I can't remember the last time I pulled a disc off my shelf. It's been at least a year. Yeah, I mean, at least you, you could year. you could essentially download the 60 gig file to your Xbox One X hard drive and it would play like a disc, right? It's the same thing. And it would have the same resolution as a disc would because it's coming straight out of the hard drive. Forget all of that stuff. The main thing for me is this whole like marketing plan of like, it's got all of this processing power and processing power and processing power. What's going to really be different from the Xbox One X, which I'm going to call the Xbox One Pro, than the PS4 Pro? It's the same exact thing. When you take your Horizon Zero Dawn disc, if you were to buy a PS4 Pro, which you haven't yet, if you put that disc into your PS4 Pro, what would happen? It would look a little bit better if you had a 4K UHD TV because that's what the PS4 Pro processing does doesn't make the game any different same exact game here's the exact same thing that's going to happen with the xbox one s the games are going to be exactly the same they're just going to look a little bit better so is it worth the 500 dollars investment itself just for the box that comes with a controller your old controllers from your xbox one if you have them will still work your old games will still work on it then you might have to go buy a six or seven hundred eight hundred dollar tv to mo- in order to make this work so essentially what you're doing is paying without if you had an xbox one before if you buy the new system and a television to make this all look better, you're spending thirteen to fourteen hundred dollars, and that's what you're getting. You're not getting a new system. You're not getting new games that are only exclusive to the Xbox One X. It plays all the exact same games as the Xbox One regular does, just like the PS4 Pro plays the exact same games that the PS4 plays. So maybe if you're buying, if you haven't bought a PS4 or if you haven't bought an Xbox yet, you know, and you're getting into that market now, which I'd be very surprised since we're now four years into this console cycle. I don't know. Um, the other thing is, if you wanted to have a PS4 and an Xbox One, you could buy both of those for $500 and play every single game for both systems. It just wouldn't be enhanced. So tell me why anybody would go out and buy a $500 console just to play one set of games. Wouldn't you, as a video gamer, buy two consoles for $500 and be able to play everything, even if it doesn't look just a little bit better on your 4K TV? Are you really going to notice? That's what I have to say about all this. For the same reason people stand in line for two days to get the next iPhone. True. You're, it, it's the same thing. Do I have any intention of buying one of these? Hell no. Do I have any intention of potentially buying a PS4 Pro? Eh, it's, it's, it's likely, especially with Destiny 2 around the corner. I'm, I'm going to wait because I'm, I'm almost betting that they're going to drop that price on a PS4 oh, Pro down soon to as the, 349 Xbox, especially we get to the holiday yeah. season. As soon as Xbox One X drops, they will say, like, guess what? Sony's now 350 Yeah, 299 bitches, Black Friday, yeah. and it, everybody's going to go ape shit, uh-huh. and that is going to completely mess up uh, Xbox's whole holiday plan coming out in November. Right. If I had a 4K TV, I would say, yeah, I might think about this. My Xbox One X is four years old. It, I don't need a new one. I'd like one. I just don't. Disposal income. I don't. I mean, I don't really have that. I don't need to drop 500 on something like that. What, what, what could I get that's 500 dollars? That's a, that's more valuable than that. I mean, I have children, so I guess what I'm getting at is this would need to be a completely brand new system, like a Nintendo Switch. It's a completely new delivery mechanism a completely new style of something you have to get a whole new set of cartridges or games or whatever that's what would really wow me this whole oh it's faster and whatever it's not your game is still going to run slow if you have slow internet it's not going to make you kill people faster in call of duty because you have a faster system it's all based on your internet speed i mean talk me out talk me out of this or at least or give me a counterpoint but i don't think you actually can i think we're saying everything that we that we actually think about this i look you know me i'm not an early adopter on xbox stuff anyway i bought one because i thought i was going to have to have it to be able to play destiny with you guys and then you guys all came over to playstation yeah. and then it, it's it has sat there on my entertainment center dead for what a year yeah, now and i'm the complete opposite I, xbox one is my preferred system if i fire that thing back up great you know i'll trade it in at some point and get an s who knows 
but I, I, to what end? I don't know. I have one game. I guess take your personal opinion of it out of it and just look at it from the consumer's perspective, which is what I was kind of looking at. You probably agree with me on everything I just said, right? I can, I can see where they're going with these consoles now. And it's almost to a point. Not It won't be with this generation, but I think it's going to be where possibly the next generation. And I think PlayStation might actually do it. Um, I think we're going to get to a point where the base platforms are a bit evergreen. And what I mean by that is you'll be able to modularly upgrade them. Mm-hmm. So like today you can do the hard drive, but maybe you can upgrade the RAM if you want to, to be able to play some of this higher end stuff. Or you have to have this board or that board or that CPU to be able to do certain things. And you start getting into PC territory. When you're doing stuff like that, right? I guess that's what's happening with this, right? I think this is when they... Well, when Xbox converted over to the SOC, which is what they refer to as system on a chip, mm-hmm. all of the instructions, it's not only a processor. I think they said there was something like a billion transistors on that chip. So I think there's going to be a point where we could one day, again, not this one, but down the road, we could swap some of this stuff out, keep the case the same. I don't know. It's a pipe dream of having a PC... On my, that run Windows 10 that I could play my PC games with my PC gaming friends in my living room. Well, now with a choice now you're onto something because that's what they've always been trying to do with the Xbox One, right? And now this yeah. this more powerful Xbox One X X X X whatever is now so close to being an actual PC in your living room, but being a console at the same time. <laughs> the all-new Jenna but, Jameson Triple X yeah, Xbox. Exactly. But I think you're right. That I completely forgot about that side of it, and that side of it is Microsoft's strategy to make Windows 10 universal between all their stuff. And this is, yes. this is absolutely going to do that. Yeah, I think this is, this is a step in that direction. It's, it, we're not going to see it anytime soon. I mean, would I absolutely love to be able to log in and play World of Warcraft on my Xbox in my living room? Hello, you've got my attention. Yeah. The, the, the minute that happens, this entire conversation changes. Do I think they're going to do that anytime soon? No. Because it's it's too proprietary at this point. They stand to make a fortune in a matter of six weeks yeah. at the end of this year. They are going to make an absolute fortune selling these things. And hopefully they do a better job than Nintendo of actually having them in stock, which I'm sure they will. Yeah, I mean, we'll be... But can you imagine Black Friday yeah. with these things out? We'd be curious to hear about your guys' opinion on this. We, we're a little bit of the meh side of things, but you know, maybe you guys are really excited, and if so, we want to hear about it. Um, but I guess we should get to some fun stuff, right? And that's going to lead us yeah. into the other thing. Uh, I've got a, a, a little... Uh, since you turned the lightning round on me last week, I'm going to turn it back on you. Ready? Oh, shit. But uh, first, I want to tell you the story. Uh, did you see that thing where James Corden built uh, a Tom's Cruise? He built like a cruise ship and put a bunch of like Tom Cruise <laughs> faces all over it and then let Tom Cruise sail this, across yeah. the Thames River in London on Tom's yes. Cruise. Hilarious, yes. right? It's it's the Thames Gordon Thames, River. That's right, the Thames. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually pronounced the Thames, but yeah. it's the Thames is James. Never mind. Thames it's, Gordon, it's nice one, nice one. <laughs> <laughs> the King Thames version. Um, the uh... <laughs> oh boy. All right, so that's going to lead us to our lightning round. All right, your turn. Ready? We were talking about Tom Cruise. Name oh as many Tom Cruise movies as you can. Go. Risky business. Yes. Top Gun. Yes. Days of Thunder. Yes. Vanilla Skies, terrible, fucking terrible movie. (laughs) Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible Two, Mission Impossible Three, Rock of Ages, one of my favorite, most underrated movies, which was um, uh, Edge of Tomorrow, Oblivion, Yes, Mission Impossible, the fourth one, Ghost Protocol, Mm -hmm. Going Clear, that Scientology documentary. But I guess technically he doesn't get a credit (laughs) in that one, but in a weird way he does. But 
yeah, I think I'm kind of out uh, of uh, out of Tom Cruise. Movies. What am I forgetting? Tropic Thunder. He played the uh, the funny agent guy. Remember that one? That's right. Uh, Magnolia. He was good. Um, what else was he in? He's been in so much. Collateral. Oh, Fidelio. Um, Eyes wide shut. Yes, eyes wide shut. That's a creepy movie. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Of oh, Cocktail. Remember where he's like the bartender yes. in like 1988? Yes. That was a good one. <laughs> um, the Mummy, uh, War of the Worlds. He was in uh, Minority Report. Minority Report was one I forgot. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, what I will say about Tom Cruise to kind of tie a bow on yeah. this is if you go back and you look, go all the way back. Forget the – don't forget him, but start at 2000 after Vanilla Sky. Yeah. If you go all the way back before Vanilla Sky and all the way after Vanilla Sky – that guy has not made a bad movie. Oh, Jack Reacher movie. Yeah. That guy has not made a bad movie outside of Vanilla Sky. If you look after Thank you. If you look after Vanilla Sky every single year that he's put out a film. And they're between then and now. Uh, 15, 16 years and they're they're fantastic films. The Mummy's not doing very well for him right now. However, it, you have you're, like you're absolutely right. You have to acknowledge the success that this guy has and how he just constantly makes movies that make money. The guy is maybe one of the last guys that can open a movie a true leading man. Despite his crazy beliefs and whatever you want to say he believes in, uh, the guy is charismatic and he does not look like a 55-year-old or however the hell old he is. He runs faster on screen than any other actor in the history of acting. <laughs> you know, His run is, is legend. Yeah. Is, is of Hollywood, the Tom Cruise yes, run. Yes, of course. There are yeah. actors that come through this town trying to emulate that run, and they just can't do no. it, mainly because they're taller than 5'4". But we'll let that one go because <laughs> you know, we don't want to rib on Tom too much. No, I'm not that much taller than 5'4", so I, I, you know, I, I, I side with him on this one. Well, Andy, it was great talking to you, man. Yes. Uh, I know we've, we, we, I, I just want to send a little bit of a shout-out to the listeners. Thank you for being patient with us. We've been trying to deal with some audio issues and some shitty hotel bandwidth issues. Yep. Uh, as we go through this, but what's the countdown now? T minus three weeks yeah, less, till you're back home, than, and we're back three weeks. It'll be two weeks on Tuesday. About the time this show comes out, so yeah, we're excited. Fuck you! Oh yeah, I can't wait. So thanks for sticking with yep. us. Thanks for being patient with us. I know we've been off the regular cadence for a while, but coming soon, back to normal. Yeah. Um, thanks for joining us. Leave us a review on the iTunes store if you get a chance. We certainly love to read your feedback and love to hear all those comments from you. Um, come follow us on Twitter at Orbital Jigsaw. You can find me, Nick Howell, at Data Center Dude. You can find me at Andy Nelson76 on Twitter. And that's going to do it for us this time, guys. But until next time, later. Bye. This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.